And again, Merry Christmas to all of you, and thank you for being with us today. I, uh, on this uh, Christmas Eve morning, uh, I want to go ahead and say to you ahead of time that if you've come today and you're expecting this exceedingly complex message that is just so deep that uh, it's hard to even wrap your mind around, I want to just apologize to you ahead of time because it is not going to be that kind of message. It's going to be a simple message. It's the Christmas story, and maybe you're going to see it in a way today that you've not seen it before. At least I would hope that that would be true. But I believe that with the simplicity of it, it's going to be so understandable to you. And I can only pray, and I can only believe that God would help us to just see it in a way that we maybe have never really even thought about it. Now, one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible, I think, actually sums up Christmas quite well. And I want you to read it with me. The guys are going to go ahead and put it up on the screen. I want you to take a look at that verse with me, and then let's all read it together. One of the most famous verses in all of the Bible. Let's read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Keep that up for just a moment because I want everybody to be able to check that out. I'm not going to read it again, but as you look at that verse, I want you to have this realization that this is the purpose of Christmas. It is the message that God loved the world. That is the message of Christmas, that God loved the world. I'll take it a step further and say, it's not just that God loved the world, it's that God loves you. And God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son. This is what John 3, 16 says, that God sent his one and only son at Christmas from heaven to earth uh, in order that he would become our representation. I want you to think of it this way. The very first Christmas gift ever given by God was God's gift of his son Jesus to you and to me. But Jesus is not just the first gift that God gave to us, Jesus is also the most expensive gift that you're ever going to receive. And furthermore, when you really take it all in, uh, the reality is this, if God loves you and me enough, think about this, if God loves you and me enough to send Jesus into the world as a gift to us, and we know the story, the story of Christmas is the story of the cradle, Jesus was born, we know that whole account, we've read it in Matthew and Luke, uh, other places uh, in in the Bible, but the reality is from the cradle to the cross, and if God loves you so much, that he would send Jesus into the world as a gift to you, then isn't isn't it obvious that he would not hold back giving even one single gift to us that he wants us to receive? How do we know that? I want you to just check out these two verses. They're going to be up here on the screen. Look at these verses with me. Romans 5, 8 says this, and this is the message of Christmas. But God showed his great love for us, by sending Christ. That's Christmas. He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to do what? To die for us while we were what? Still sinners. He didn't say, I want you to clean your act up and then I'm going to come into the world. He didn't say, I want you to get all of your mistakes ironed out and then I'm going to die for you. Even while we were still sinners, uh, Christ died for us. Look at this next verse. Three chapters later, Paul, still in Romans, Romans eight thirty two, And this is what he says here. He says, he, speaking of God, 
who did not spare even his own son. Uh, God loved us so much. You think about that. That's the message of Christmas, that God loved us so much that he didn't even spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with Jesus, generously give us and graciously give us all things? I mean, this is the message that if God wouldn't hold back giving Jesus to us as a gift of Christmas, then certainly he's not going to hold back giving us anything else that we need. You see, God's great gift to you and to me is Jesus. And when you receive Jesus, then there's actually other incredible gifts that arrive with Jesus. I want you to think about it this way, and it's how I'm going to unpack it with you for the next few moments. Have you ever at Christmas time had an occasion when, when there was a box and you're like, okay, you knew that that box, you knew that that gift was from you. And then you open the box, and this very big box, you thought it was going to be a very big gift. But initially, it wasn't a very big gift. It was maybe a small gift, right? And so you open up that gift, and in that, and you just keep going on and on. And it's like little gift, little box, another gift, another box. And then you get to the big box. You get to the what was really the prized gift in that entire box. It may have taken you some other things to get uh, to it. Uh, but you've, you've got it. So when you receive the big gift, there were actually some other gifts that were associated with it. And this is what I want all of you to hear me say today. When you receive the big gift, the big box, when you receive Jesus, there are other things that you're going to receive as well. So what I want to do in these next several moments that we have together is to mention just four of the gifts, just four. You may want to jot it down somewhere on your iPad, your phone, your arm with a crayon, whatever you want to do. But I want to, in these next few moments, mention just four of the gifts that God wants to give you when you receive the big gift, Jesus. Number one, here it is, all right? I told you, didn't I tell you that this is going to be a simple message? Wave at me if you heard me say that. You're about to see this, but I think it's going to speak to you because it's the Bible, it's the Word of God. Number one, God wants to give you a new identity, a new identity. Now, how many of you know what one of the fastest growing crimes in America is today? What is it? It's identity theft. People all the time. And aren't you, aren't you a little bit concerned about that from time to time? Do you find yourself, you know, maybe going on to online banking, checking your account, checking, you know, other financial transactions that you've made? How many of you, by the way, you've ever had somebody get into your account and they had no, and, and I'm not talking about your wife or your husband. I'm talking about somebody got into your account that they shouldn't have been in your account. How many of you have you've had that happen? A lot of us have. And it is prevailing, identity theft, but your identity can be stolen by more than just criminals. Have you ever thought about that? Let me say it again. Your identity can be stolen by more than just criminals. Do you realize that your identity can actually be stolen by culture? And I'm not one of these guys that just pounds that all the time, culture, culture's bad, you know, all, all of that. I'm just saying to you that sometimes our identity is stolen by culture because in order to adapt, in order to fit in, you've got to look a certain way, you've got to speak a certain way, you've got to act a certain way. And culture, if we're not careful, will actually steal away our identity. Do you know, even if it's well-meaning, that our identity can be stolen by our parents? 
I mean, we, we had a passion. We had a desire that we wanted to do something with our life. We wanted to accomplish something with our life. But we understood, you know, what was being communicated to us. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to be. It's not necessarily what you wanted to be. It's not necessarily what you wanted to do. So in a sense, and I'm not being hard on parents. I'm just saying sometimes even our parents can steal our identity. Do you know that your identity, identity can be stolen by your friends? Because what you find yourself having to do is sometimes like in order to, you know, like fit in with everybody and go along with everybody else in, in the crowd, you have to conform to their habits and their expectations. So if you want to be their friend, which you may want to be, then you've got to follow their habits, or at least you feel that subtle pressure to do. You've got to do what they're expecting you to do. And as a result, your identity can not just be stolen by, by criminals or by culture or by your parents. It can actually be stolen by your friends. You see, over the years as a pastor, I have heard scores of people say what I'm about to say to you. I've heard people say this again and again. You know what? I don't even know who I am anymore. I don't even know who I am. I just find myself trying to please everybody and trying to fulfill everybody's dream for my life. I, I've, I've given up on my dream. I've given up on my aspirations. I've given up on my goals. I don't even know who I am anymore. And the reason why they say that is that their life has gradually over time merged into something that has been based upon the expectations of people rather than what is the purpose of God. So our, our identity can be stolen from us by various things, more than just the three that I mentioned to you. But oftentimes, we even frame ourselves, our own identity, primarily centered around these three things. You may want to jot them down. We frame our own identity a lot of times by our work. We define who we are by what we do. If I were to come to you and, and say, hey, you know, tell me a little bit about you, you'd say, you know what? I'm a teacher, I'm a plumber, I'm a doctor, I am, and just fill in the blank, I, I do this, I'm a homemaker, I'm, you know, I'm an accountant, I am, and, and that's not really, when you think about it, I could say, well, I am a pastor, but what we do is not who we are, I am not what I do, I am who I am, that's not who we are, that's what we do, but a lot of times, that's how we define our identity, I am what I do. That's who I am, plumber, doctor, teacher, whatever the case. Here's another thing we define our, or frame our own identity based on our possessions. We identify this is my house. This is my car. These are my possessions. This is my bank account. This is my 401. Okay, These, this is who I am. I am my possessions. I'm my work. I'm my possessions. And sometimes, you know how we, we frame our own identity? We frame our identity on the basis of our relationships. Who are you? Well, I'm a wife. I'm a mother. Who are you? I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a boyfriend. I'm a girlfriend. And so our, our identity can be stolen by culture, by parents, by our friends, uh, various other ways. Sometimes we define our own identity by our work, by our possessions, by our relationships. But I want to do a timeout right here and, because I really want to get your attention. And some of you folks understand because you, you understand football. And there's a timeout. And I want to take just a timeout because I want you to hear very, very clearly what I'm about to say to every one of you that is in this room right now. Please hear me on this. Never, ever Allow your identity to be built on something that can be taken from you. Never 
allow your identity to be built on something that can be taken from you. And you say, what do you mean? How many of you know that relationships can be taken from you? Is that not true? Relationships can be taken. You didn't necessarily want them to be taken. You, you, didn't, you didn't want the divorce. You, you, didn't, you certainly didn't want a, a family member to pass, a friend to pass, but relationships can be taken from us. How many of you know that no matter how much you love your career, your career can be taken from you? I stood yesterday and talked to a good friend of mine for probably 20 minutes who, after working at the same company for a long, long, long time, he's about my age now. He's about, you know, 31, 32, somewhere in that neighborhood. So he's worked for this company every bit of that long and more. And then he just found out in the past few days that he's going to lose his job. Not because of poor performance. It's just cutbacks, downturn. And so don't build your identity, you know, just simply based on your relationships or even your career. Certainly don't do it based on your stuff, your possessions. Because how many of you know that home that you love, God forbid, but could go into foreclosure with unforeseen incidences? God forbid that you ever would ever go through bankruptcy But I know a lot of good people who are smart people, who are intelligent people, who because of circumstances outside of their own control went through bankruptcy. Do not build your identity on anything that can be taken from you. Instead, build your identity on something that can never be taken from you, and that is God's unconditional love for you. That can never be taken from you. So let God shape your identity. Do you know that God knows you better than anybody else? And you know why God knows you better than anybody else knows you? It's because God personally created you. There are many of you here this morning that you, you actually need to ask God to do this. You need to ask God to give you a new identity. You need to ask God to give you a do-over. You need to ask God to help you to have a mulligan, to start all over again, to wipe the slate clean, to turn over a new leaf. There are many of you that you need a new identity. Look at 2 Corinthians five seventeen right up here on the screen. This is what it's talking about. And it uh, says, this means, and it's been talking about, but I just have this one verse. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? Has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And so some of you, you just, I mean, simply put, you need God to give you a new start. You need a new life. You need a new beginning. You need a new identity. This verse is not on the screen, but Romans 12, 2 says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world But let God transform you. Let God change you. Let God change you. Here's the language. Into a new person by changing the way you think. Listen to the rest of that verse. Then you will learn to know God's will. And it tells us what God's will for you is, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Do you know God's will for you is not intended to cramp your style? It's not to take the joy and the fun out of your life. And whenever you're in the epicenter of God's will, when you're hitting the center part of the target of God's purpose and plan for your life, you're not going to be miserable. Instead, you're going, to be, you're going to be good, and you're going to have things in your life that are going to be pleasing. Your life is going to feel like it's on the right course. So when you open up the box and you receive the big gift, which is Jesus, there's also some other gifts, one of them being a new identity. Here's the second one. I told you it's going to be simple. The second one is this. God wants to give you a new ability, a new ability. I'm speaking here about a new power. 
a new strength that you need in your life and that I, I need in my life. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever tried to change something about yourself? Can I just see your hand wave at me? Have you ever changed, tried to change something about yourself? How many of you have noticed this about yourself? Yourself does not always cooperate with you. In fact, let me just put it as plainly as I know how. There are things about you that you want to change, but you can't change. And if you could have changed them by yourself, you would have already changed them by now. How many of you have ever, all right, confession, I'll raise my hand. How many of you have ever tried to lose weight at least once in your life? What day of the week do you start? You start on Monday. How many of you know it's great? You're fired up. You're motivated. You're going to change. You're going to lose weight. And that is great for Monday and Tuesday. But then you notice Wednesday night, you're sitting down eating a bowl of Blue Bell ice cream in front of the TV. You're going to change. You wanted to. I can remember for years, my mom wanted to stop smoking. And she had started when she was a teenager. And she just wanted, and she stopped at least 94 times. And she'd go back, and then she'd stop, and she'd go back, and, you know, she wrestled with that. She really wanted... And, and you know what it was? Mom couldn't stop smoking on her own. She stopped about three or four years before she, she passed away. But there are so many things in our life that, that we want to change, but we don't have the power to change on our own. Do you know what would be a great day, friend? It will be a great day in your life, the day that you realize that any real and needed change in your life that needs to happen is bigger than your own willpower. It is not, please hear me, it is not about your willpower. You need God's power. And the amazing thing about change is that God's power is available to you and to me. God says this to every one of us. I'm not looking to just be around you. Here's what I want to do. I actually want to put my spirit on the inside of you. You see, God's not just around us. See, we believe, and I'm not, I told you I was going to keep it simple today. I want to do that. But we believe that God is omnipresent. It means that God is everywhere present, that God is in this theater. And when you get home today, God is going to be uh, at home with you. And and, and, and God's going to be with you tomorrow when you have your Christmas meal. And and God's going to be with you when some relatives roll into town that you're maybe not anxious about. You're asking God to be with you when that happens. And, 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 and God is saying, I want to be all around you, and I'm going to do that. But God says, listen, when you open up the big gift, Jesus, here's what I'm also going to do. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Romans 5, 5, it's not on the screen, but let me read it to you. Paul has been talking about hope, and then he makes this statement, this hope does not disappoint us, for God has poured out his love into us, into our hearts, by means of the Holy Spirit, listen to this, who is God's gift to us. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is God's gift to you when you receive Jesus? The Holy Spirit is God's gift to you when you receive Jesus, and when you receive the the Holy Spirit, you receive power that is not your own. When you receive God's greatest gift, which is Jesus, God says, now you're not just going to be treading water on your own. Now you're not just going to be trying to work this out in your own strength. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to place my spirit on the inside of you, and I'm going to be continually working in your life. It's more than just what you can do for you. It's what I can do for you because my Holy Spirit is not just around you. My Holy Spirit is now inside of you. Now, does that happen if you don't receive Jesus? It doesn't happen. 
I'm not going to nullify the omnipresent nature of God. He's still going to be everywhere present, but he sends his Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us when we receive the big gift, Jesus. In fact, I want you to read this next verse with me. Everybody's going to be on the screens. This is Philippians 2.13. Let's all read it together. And it will, you know, it will be good for all of us. And plus, some of you that are getting a little sleepy, it'll wake you back up. So let's, let's read it together. Here we go. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So God gives us the power to keep going when we get tired, when we're fatigued. They that wait upon the Lord shall receive new strength. So God gives us the power in our life to keep going when we get tired. He gives us, listen to this now, the power to start over when we've blown it and the power to change when we cannot make those changes on our own. And all of us have tried, and many times it's been utter futility. Why? Because it was about our willpower and not God's power. But when you receive the big gift, you not only receive a new identity in Jesus, you also receive a new ability. Because now it's not just about your willpower and your strength and what you can do for yourself to bring about change. Now you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Thirdly, be sure you get this one. God wants to give you a new community. A new community. Let me tell you what I mean by that. This is another wonderful gift that you receive when you receive the big gift, Jesus. You receive a new community, which is a spiritual family that helps to support you. Can I just tell you this? You were never meant to go through life all alone. You were meant to know God, and you were meant to have a family around you to comfort and support you. Friday afternoon at 1 o'clock, I did for this 47-year-old dear lady that attended our church for many, 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 many months. She knew Jesus. She's in heaven. And uh, I've thought about it a lot over the last couple of days and knowing that we were all going to be here together this morning and just thinking about, and I even said this to Larry, her husband. I, I said to him, I followed up with him yesterday. I called him on the phone. I was driving down the road and said, just want to check in with you again. He doesn't attend our church yet. And I just said, Larry, man, I uh, just want you to know I'm thinking about you today. I'm praying for you today. I told him on the phone, and I've told him in person when I've met with him a couple of times. I said, Larry, I said, uh, I'm so glad that Patty was a part of our church. I'm so glad. She was a wonderful lady, and you know that because you've been married to her all these years. I said, she's a wonderful lady. And I said, I feel so privileged to have been her pastor, to be able to get up at her a celebratory service or going home to be with Jesus service. Sure, it's a memorial service, a funeral service, but we celebrate as well those who are with Jesus. And I said to him, it was an honor to be your pastor, and I'm so glad that I could, could get up. And, and then I said to him, and he received it so well, we've developed a bond just over these last few days. And I said, Larry, let me just tell you how I feel. I don't know how you feel about it. I said, but I was Patty's pastor, and by virtue of that, I consider myself your pastor, whether you consider me that or not. So I'm your pastor now, and I'm here for you. And everybody, wouldn't you agree? Everybody needs love and support. You agree with that? God didn't wire you up to do life all on your own. You weren't meant to go through life all by yourself. 
You were meant to know God. You were meant to have a family around you, a church family to support you and to comfort you. And that family is the church. 1 Timothy 3.15, not on the screen. But listen to what it says. It says the family, it's talking about the spiritual family. The family is the church of the living God. Listen to these two key words, the support and the foundation of the truth. Did you catch what those words, the support and foundation, and that is something that all of us need in our life. How many of you know that you need support in your life? And some of you are saying, I don't need support. Let me tell you something. There's a day coming when you will. Trust me. There's a day coming when you will. I thought for the longest time that my life was about as perfect as it could go. I really did. But then in the last 15 months, I've uh, buried my father, my mother, and last week my mother-in-law. In the last 15 months. You may think that you don't need support, but there's coming a time when you will. I'm so glad I belong to a church family. I'm so glad I received your prayers, your love, your support, your encouragement, and all of us need that. So here's a question. Is everybody in the family of God? Think about that. Is everybody in the family of God? And the answer to that is no. Everybody is not in the family of God. Everybody... Listen to this now, please. Everybody has been created by God. Everybody is loved by God. When Jesus went to the cross and he spilled his own blood and he died there to cover our sin debt, he did that for everybody. However, that does not mean that everybody is a child of God. Everybody's created by God. Everybody's loved by God, but not everybody is a child of God. The only way to get into the family of God is by choosing. You have to make a decision. You've got to open the gift. You've got to receive the gift. It's not automatic. It's not like, okay, I was born within the uh, continental United States, therefore I'm an American. I've got a U.S. citizenship because I was simply born. I I don't have to ask for a citizenship. I already have it. I don't ask to be an American. I already am one. I was born here. But the reality is you've got to ask God to be in his family. It's not automatic. Created by God, yes. Yes. Loved by God, yes. Jesus died for everybody, yes. But not everybody is a child of God. You become a child of God, and you become part of the family of God when you simply make a decision that you want to be a part of a family. You want to be a child of God. And nobody will ever be turned away, by the way. I want to mention just one more gift, and it too comes with the big gift, Jesus. And maybe it's the most important one of them all, and I want you to listen very, very closely to this last one of the four. God not only wants to give us a new identity, God not only wants to give us a new ability, God not only wants to give us a new community, which is a church family, God also wants to give to us a new destiny. Let me take just a moment to talk to you about that before we're done. God wants to give you a new destiny, and this happens when we receive Jesus into our life as our Savior and our leader. Now, You may well remember, as I do, some of the Christmas gifts that you received as a small child, all right? Can I just sort of do an informal survey here? How many of you, let's say age 10 or under, how many of you remember at least one Christmas gift that you got as a small child? Could Could you just raise your hand? I remember lots of them. I remember a little drum set that came, had a light. You know, you plugged that in, and it was, you know, on the bass drum. I can remember... um, 
you know, my, my dad uh, given me, because at that time I was a Miami Dolphin fan, and I was a Miami Dolphin fan because uh, Miami was winning, and, uh, and then I was a Jets fan because of Joe Namath, and some of you are saying Joe Namath, never heard of him, you know, Broadway Joe, and so, I, you know, I had jacket, helmet, jersey, you know, toboggan, I just, I remember getting these things, but how many of you know that gifts don't always last forever? Do you remember any gifts that you got as a child that you don't have anymore? You, don't, you remember them, you just don't have them. And that is why, because generally toys and gifts don't last. How many of you know sometimes even the gift that you get at Christmas as a child was even totally demolished by noon of that same day? <laughs> it's destroyed. I can remember... And uh, I'm not even going to tell you the brand of jeans because many of you will laugh and many of you will say, I've never heard of those. But I wanted this particular pair of jeans, and it was more expensive than the jeans that my parents normally would buy for me. So I'm like, well, don't buy them for me like with my regular school clothes. Let's consider it a Christmas gift because these were like the coolest jeans that you had ever seen and that about 73% of you have never heard of in your entire life. But I wanted them. And so when I was opening up my gifts, here were those jeans. I knew that we were going over to Grandma's house, and I was excited about that. So guess what I did? I wanted to be Joe Cool in my new jeans. So I put them on, and I thought I looked really cool. Of course, I didn't, but I thought I looked cool. And I wore them to Grandma's. And uh, we're going to have Christmas lunch with Grandma. And then somebody says, hey, uh, you know, while we're waiting, let's go out in the front yard and let's play football. And I'm like, that's a great idea. Let's go play football. And so I had a nice shirt on to go with my nice jeans, and I took that shirt off. I had a T-shirt or something I could put on, and I can remember our team on, you know, we're on offense, uh, this particular play, and we're on offense. My dad was actually the quarterback for our team. My cousin was spread out, you know, to the right. I'm, I'm out to the left. And so our family members, the defense, and, you know, probably about five or six on a team, and Dad had said to me in the huddle, he said, you know, said to my cousin, I want you to go here, just sort of do a button hug. Jeff, I want you to just go go for the end zone. I want you to go straight downfield. And so I took off running as fast as I could, and I knew my dad had thrown the ball. It was a bomb. And, and I was running, and I wanted to catch it. I wanted to score, so I turned my head back. One of my other cousins is defending me, and I turned my head back to look for the pass. I reached my arms out like this to catch the ball, when about that same time, I ran right through a rose bush in my new jeans. Rip them to shreds. So I had the distress look before the distress look was even hip. I should have just held on to them. Two, minutes, uh, two hours after I put them on, they were my new distress jeans. Gone just like that. But God has an amazing gift for you that's going to last forever. It's a new destiny. I want you to take a look at this verse up on the screen. 1 Peter 1, 4 says this, And God has reserved for his children the priceless gift. It's a gift, the gift of a new destiny, the gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Here's something else that you need to know about this gift before we're done. This gift costs Jesus everything. It costs him everything. It cost him his life. Jesus came into this world. God's greatest gift to us was his son, Jesus, came to us as a baby, born in Bethlehem in a manger. 
He went out on a cross. It cost him his life. But in receiving this gift, think about it. Think about the utter contrast of this. This gift that cost Jesus everything, including his own life, is actually totally free to you and me. Look at this next verse. This is Paul in Romans. Romans 6, 23 says, therefore, it says this, the free, here it is again, the gift, it's a gift. The free gift of God is eternal life. It's a new destiny through Jesus our Lord. So it costs Jesus everything. It's totally free to us. By the way, let me just say this, and I'm not going to camp out here because I'm about out of time. It's totally free to us, which means we cannot earn it, buy it, bribe, or bargain our way into heaven. It's a free gift. See, if, if you came up to me with a gift, all right, and maybe it had a, a Chick-fil-A logo on it or... God's favorite team had a little bulldog with a G on it somewhere, and, and, and you gave it to me as a gift. Would you not be highly offended and insulted if you gave me a gift, and I looked at it, and I said, by the way, how much did this cost you? And I reached into my wallet and said, I want to pay you for this free Christmas gift you've given to me. You'd be offended by that. You'd be appalled of that. And God says, I got a free gift for you. It's eternal life. We say, I'm going to buy it. You can't buy it. Well, I'm going to earn it. You can't earn it. I'm going to bribe my way into heaven. You can't bribe your way into heaven. I'll bargain my way. I'm clever. I'm astute. I'm good at business. I've, I've, I've made some deals, and, uh, you know, I brokered some deals, and I think I'll just bargain. No, you won't. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. You can't bargain. You can't buy it. Also, have you ever noticed this? As parents, and especially as grandparents, we make great effort to find the perfect gift for our kids. I thought I did that as a dad. I know I try to do that as a grandparent. It's just different. But I want you to consider that as you see this next verse. I want you to look at this verse up on the screen. So, And you've been out in the stores. You've been out in the shops. You know that parents and grandparents are rushing around trying to get just the right gift for their kids or their grandkids. I want you to look at this. This is Jesus speaking. And Jesus said, as bad as you are, you still know how to get good, good gifts to your children. How many of you know we're bad? We're bad. You say speak for yourself. I'll speak for I'm bad. And if you think you're not bad, okay, you're not bad. You're deceived, but you're not bad. All right, but back to this. As bad as you are, you still know how to give good gifts to your children. But your heavenly Father, God, is even more ready to give good things to people who ask. You say, I'm looking for the perfect gift for my my child. That's good. Give it all you got. But there's a perfect Father in heaven. What's the key here? Look at the end. Look at the last word. The key is people who, what's this last word? Ask. You've got to ask for it. It's not automatic. How do you receive a new destiny? How do you receive a new life? We have to ask. And then we need to receive the gift humbly. 2 Corinthians 9.15, not on the screen, says this. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Start opening the gifts, the big bots. And in the big bots is the big gift. Theologically, spiritually speaking here today in this message, the big gift is Jesus. 
And with Jesus comes a new identity that all of us need. A new ability, a new power that we don't have within ourselves. A new community, a new family to help us with support and encouragement. A foundation for our life. A new destiny, knowing that there's a reserved spot for us in heaven. I have just one more verse today. And it's a very, very important verse. And with this, I'm going to close our portion of the service. I want you to look at this verse with me. Very, very important. If you paid attention to no other verses here this morning, I want you to look at this one. Acts 10.35. Look at it here with me. Acts 10.35 says this. Right now, it looks like it's the greatest gift you'll ever receive, but that's not Acts 10.35. All right? If you don't have it, I'll just read it. Here it is. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. So today, would you ask God, For Jesus? Would you receive the big gift? Would you receive Jesus as your Savior, as your leader? You'll never regret it. You'll never, ever regret it for the rest of your days. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes with me for just a moment? Would you just do that? If you're here today and you'd say, Jeff, that's a gift that I want to receive. I need a new identity. I I, I need a new power in my life that I don't have. I, I need a new family. I, I know, need to know that I'm in right standing with God, a new destiny, an eternal life with God. If that's you, just while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just across this theater, and I'm just going to look from right up here in the front and all the way back, but if that's you would, you, would you just raise your hand and just put it up real high? I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you, I promise you, but just raise your hand and keep it up for just a moment. Nobody looking around, and give me just a second. I see your hand right here, and I see your hand right back there. Just lift them up real high. I see your hand right over there, and I'm just looking sort of front to back. See your hand back there, all right? Others, you just lift your hand. I, I, I want to receive this gift. You're going to ask for it and you're going to receive it. Anybody else before we pray? All right. You want to pray this prayer with me? Just pray it in your heart, in your mind. God, thank you for loving me. The message of Christmas is all about love. It's all about giving. God, you so love the world. God, you so love me that you gave. You gave Jesus to me as a gift. And I receive him into my life today. I need your help. I need power in my life. I try to make changes. And I can't do it. Try to be a better person. I can't do it. I need your power. I need your help. I need your love and your support. I need to know that one day when I die, I'm going to spend eternity with you in heaven. I pray that. In Jesus' name, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. And everybody said, amen.